as your Bibles are turned to the book of Daniel, let this be a kind of a banner over the message this morning. And it's the same thing with which we open the service. 1 Peter 2.11 Beloved, I urge you, Peter writes, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that if they speak, no, it says, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So again, let that be kind of a, a big truth over, over everything as we look at Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. You join me in prayer this morning and even silently pray with me. Pray for our time. Lord, we are debtors to your grace. We can never pay you back. We should not try to work hard to make recompense or to make amends for what you have done. We only and always are in debt to you, to your grace. Lord, this morning it is your word. We are your people. This concerns your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us. I have uh, nothing to offer. I have studied. I have prepared. But Lord, it is your word in tandem with your spirits. The Lord, would you speak to us here this morning, speak to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Look at the book of Daniel with me. Look at verse 1 of chapter 1. Daniel 1.1. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his, lowercase g, God. Verse 3, Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. Look with me at Daniel 1.7. 
And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. That sounds more familiar. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Paul's right there. Well, here in Daniel chapter 1, we see God. And we want to see this morning the Lord Jesus Christ. But just starting with the book's namesake, we have Belteshazzar, a.k.a. Daniel. But as far as the human characters of this book are concerned, as far as the the men in the book of Daniel, it's, of course, not just Daniel. You also have uh, this man who's repeatedly referred to as the chief eunuch, who's the chief court official. You have King Nebuchadnezzar. And then you also have Daniel's three buddies. You have Daniel's three buddies, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And maybe here at the beginning, just a very brief summary of what we see here in our text today. Our text is Daniel chapter 1. We haven't read the whole thing. I want to make sure that we do that uh, this morning. Where where are we going? I want us to make sure that we read all of Daniel chapter 1. I want us to engage with the text. And I want us to look at one key phrase in one key verse. Well, as we read here, Daniel and his buddies, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these are uh, these young men, and by the way, as Pastor James preached from Daniel 6 actually not too long ago and, and actually kind of gave us a preview of our series that we began this morning, these four men were, in fact, young men. And so everyone, and especially young people, listen. Let's say young people, I'm speaking to those in their 20s and those in their teens, probably uh, Daniel and the way we know them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, probably were were teenagers, and they are in exile. Now, what is that? You know what exile is. They're they're living away from home. Uh, They're not living away from home because they're studying abroad, although they are studying abroad. They're not living away from home because they're on an extended vacation or because uh, they come from from means and from wealth, although they probably do come from means and wealth. They're living away from home, not by choice, you see. They're living in exile. This is is not good. This is not by choice. And yet they are faithful, particularly Daniel. And so these young teenage men, Daniel and his buddies, in order not to, be, not to be completely overwhelmed with the world, with Babylon, there's one particular issue that we read about here that we've actually just read about in verses 8 and 9. 
Daniel says that he, he didn't want to defile himself. How? By eating the king's food and drinking the king's drink. It said that he had, he had become friends with the chief eunuch, with the man who was, who was in charge of all of these things, uh, second in command maybe to King Nebuchadnezzar. This man and Daniel had built up a good rapport, a good relationship, and, and the text tells us, again here in our brief summary, that Daniel went to this man and said, please allow me not to defile myself. Allow me not to eat the king's meat and to drink the king's wine. And as the story goes, this chief eunuch, basically, if I could summarize, says, Daniel, you know I love you. You know that I've grown to like you and to respect you, but, but I fear the king. Who's the king? King Nebuchadnezzar, the man who had taken these young men into exile from their home. The eunuch says, I fear the king and and, and Daniel, if you do this, if you eat only vegetables and don't eat the, the, the T-bones and don't eat the ribeyes that the other young men are eating, and if you don't drink the king's wine, well, then you know as well as I do. He may see that you are uh, gaunt in your appearance. He may see you guys looking weak physically compared to the other young men, and he might have my head. Well, there's Nebuchadnezzar, and then there's the chief eunuch, and Daniel appealed to him, but it didn't work with him, even though they had a good friendship. And so Daniel, I don't think we're supposed to dive into the ethics of this or to worry, was Daniel doing something unethical? Daniel goes to a third man down, Nebuchadnezzar, the chief eunuch, and then he goes to the steward, the man who brings them their food. And he says, hey, can we, can we do a test would you be open to doing a test just, just for 10 days? Could you bring us only vegetables and water? And, and after 10 days, you look and you look at our appearances and you see what you see and you make a judgment. Would you be willing to do that? And, and the man says, sure, we'll, we'll give that a try. And the results for Daniel and his friends, you could say they passed the test with flying colors. In seminary uh, years ago, we had these things called uh, shepherding groups. It was a desire on the part of the school that while 98% of our time was spent taking classes in an academic nature, it was a desire on the part of the school to pair professors up with small groups of students to pour into our lives, to shepherd us. That's why they were called shepherding groups so that we wouldn't be merely filling our heads, but we would be growing in all aspects of our lives and all aspects of ministry. I had the opportunity to, uh, to join at one particular point in time the shepherding group led by a professor who was very well-liked, uh, very well-known. And I remember the first morning that I went to that group, it was, uh, it was breakfast, it was at a Denny's or a Shoney's-type restaurant, this professor was well-liked. I was new that morning. I was uh, a little bit in awe of this man. He had a unique voice. He said, uh, we typically get the buffet and a water. And what was I going to say to that? Was I going to say, no, actually, I'd prefer to order from the menu, and I'd prefer to have a beverage if I could. 
No, no. In one sense, because of my respect and admiration for this man and because I was the newbie, in that sense, I did not have a choice. What we see here as we, as we read the rest of this is that we see Daniel did have a choice. Daniel had a choice, and in one sense, there's going to be much bigger things that come along in the book of Daniel as we go through chapters 1 through 6. There's going to be bigger fish to fry in a sense, but it is in the small things. Listen to me. It is in the small things where we are faithful by God's grace. If we are faithful by God's grace in the day of small things, then we will be better prepared to stand when the true and the big tests come. Let me remind you of what Peter says. Peter says at the very beginning of his first letter, it says this, Peter, listen, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Did you catch what Peter said there? The very first thing he says at the beginning of his letter, he calls his readers what? Elect exiles. And so you may know, dear brothers and sisters, like Daniel and like his friends, Our citizenship, Philippians chapter 3, is in heaven. We are dealing with men away from home. Look with me again at verse 8. Verses 8 through 16 are the key. This is the heart of chapter 1. This is the heart of chapter 1, verses 8 through 16. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Would you let me not do this? Verse 9, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. Is it an interesting that Daniel fears Yahweh, the king? This man fears the Lord, his king, Nebuchadnezzar. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. Verse 14. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So, what was a temporary arrangement became permanent. Verse 16. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. 
Let me say with a few points, a few headings this morning. First of those would be this. Daniel chapter 1 is about God. Daniel chapter 1 is about God. This book that we call the Bible is about God. This book that we call Daniel is about God. Daniel chapter 1, I know this is a very simple statement, but it's very important. Daniel chapter 1 is about God. I want you to look at verse 9. How did Daniel, how did he enter into a relationship of favor? That's what it was. How did he have this relationship of favor with the chief eunuch? Well, probably because Daniel was winsome. Again, young people, listen to me. Probably because he was winsome. Probably because it goes with the territory that when you truly know God and when you truly serve the Lord, you tend to, at school or at work or at family, although not perfectly, you tend to do maybe a better job because of the fact of being a Christian. But the ultimate reason that we're told here in verse 9 that Daniel had favor with the chief eunuch was because of God. Now notice this key phrase in verse 9. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. God gave Daniel. In the words of Paul in the New Testament, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, then why do you boast as though it were your own? Or again, in the words of Paul, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Take special note of that phrase, God gave Daniel. The book is named Daniel and that for good reason. But even though the book is named Daniel, this is a book about God. God is the one who gave Daniel favor. This is God's grace that was over Daniel's life. This is Daniel and his buddies, not by choice, being away from home, being conscripted into the king's service, being subject to a total change in their lives. Uh, we won't get into this, but all four of their names spoke of Yahweh spoke of God. And so here they were, they were subject to re-education, subject to a specific diet, subject to a name change. And in all of this in exile, living in the world, we might say, living in the world, God was with them. It says again in verse 9, God gave Daniel. Look at verse 17. Look at that with me. As for these four youths, Ananiah, Mishael, Azariah. As for these four youths, God gave. Very simple, right? But just notice the exact repetition from verse 9. As it says in verse 17, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Does that mean we let go and let God? Does that mean that Daniel and his three buddies were passive and that they didn't study? No, they probably studied tirelessly in the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Nevertheless, 
Who was it? It was God. It was God who gave them learning and skill. Look at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. See the history of what's going on here? If you're interested, it's probably the year 605 B.C. And, and of course, here in verse 1, we've got two kings. We've got Nebuchadnezzar and Jehoiakim. Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan king of Babylon, of the Chaldeans, and Jehoiakim, the king of Israel, specifically of Judah. But don't miss verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Not only this, but verses 2 and 3 go on to say that the Lord, in a sense, in a sense, the Lord God humbled himself and not only allowed his king to be taken, not only, as we read, allowed some of the young young men from the nobility and from the wealthy families to be taken, he even allowed some of his, we might say, some of his very own possessions from the temple to be taken and put into the the treasure house of Nebuchadnezzar and his God. And so we see in verse 2, and we see in verse 17, and in our key verse in verse 9, it was God gave. God gave. And in verse 2, the Lord gave. Why is all this happening in the first place? You know, it's been said that sometimes, uh, although we're not necessarily going to find ourselves in exile, like Daniel and his friends, in this exact way, Let's first remember that we still are exiles in this world. But sometimes the Lord puts us in in tough positions like this so that we as his people would end up being a blessing to others. And that's actually what we see here is that we see that through Daniel and through his friends, these people in this pagan empire of Babylon end up hearing the word of God being confronted with the truth of God. And again, it's all verse 2. Who orchestrated this? Who orchestrated this wicked takeover? Well, it was the Lord. Never, ever, ever think that the Lord is the author of sin. He is in no way, no wise, the author of sin. The Lord is over everything, including over every evil that befalls his people. The first thing is that Daniel chapter 1 is about God. And then we see, secondly, that Daniel hungered for holiness. Daniel hungered for holiness. Daniel, in a sense, said, I'll take the buffet in a water, buffet of vegetables. Vegetables aren't all that bad. I love vegetables cooked well. My grandmother died about 16 years ago and loved gathering around her stove and the wonderful vegetables. You'd go to K&W if we still had one and you could get the vegetable plate, but you probably want to at least round it out with some sweet tea and a yeast roll. At least to bring a little spice to the action if you're not going to get the roast beef or the chicken and dumplings on that particular day and you're only going to get the vegetable plate. Well, as Pastor James actually pointed out when he preached uh, some time ago in Daniel chapter 6, we all know that there are in this world vegans, no uh, offense in any way meant to you this morning, we know that there are not only vegans but vegetarians, 
by all appearances here, we're dealing with vegetarians. But as Pastor James said, Daniel wasn't a vegetarian. So what was the issue? Why, why is Daniel saying here, as he's been brought into this brand new place, remember, as a young man, as a young man, later on, he's going to be in his 80s. But as he's been brought into this new place, and in a sense, I mean, you think about universities today, or you think about the liberal media, or whatever you want to say, you could call it brainwashing, or you could call it indoctrination. Do you see? That's what's going on here. That's what's going on. I mean, it's not all terrible, and, and Daniel and his friends can submit, to them, submit themselves to many of these things in good conscience. They don't have to reject everything. But really what's going on here is a system of indoctrination, uh, brainwashing in a sense. So why? Why is he posing here as a vegetarian when he might like the prime rib? And he might like, as a teenager, to drink the king's wine. Well, you could talk about many things, but what is clear, listen to me, what is clear because it says it two times in verse 8, it says two times that Daniel did not what? He did not want to defile himself. Daniel, listen, had a passion for purity. He had a hunger for holiness. Look at it. It says he would not defile himself. Look at the end of verse 8. That he would be allowed to not defile himself. See that? Not only did he not want to defile himself, not only because Daniel was in covenant with the one true God, and even if the chief eunuch said, Daniel, I love you, man, but I fear the king, and I don't want my head to get chopped off. Daniel's like, the reason I'm asking you this in the first place is because you actually need to fear the king, and I fear the king with a capital K. Not only did he not want to defile himself because Anyone who is a true Christian will seek to be holy as the Lord his God is holy. Anyone who is a true God follower says, what does the Bible say over and over and over again? You shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is precisely why Daniel said, you know what? I'll study your literature and language. I'll allow myself to be called Belteshazzar. You can take our names, which all of our names had to do with the characteristic of Yahweh, and now they have to do with the pagan gods, which are no gods. But on this, on this front, you, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do the steak. I'm not going to do the king's meat and the king's wine. It says at the beginning of verse 8, it says he resolved. He resolved like Jonathan Edwards hundreds of years ago wrote, I don't know, some hundred or so resolutions as a young man. By the way, it's been pointed out that if you don't decide at the front end, near the very beginning, before you go to public university, or for that matter, Christian university, I mean, or before you step into a situation of potential compromise, if you don't decide at the front end, or when you get in and start seeing, wow, this is a, this is a t situation in which there will be much temptation, I could be overwhelmed because all of us are weak. All of us are weak in and of ourselves. Young people, decide. Look at the word. What does it say? Daniel resolved. He resolved that he would not defile himself. By the way, the second point here 
that Daniel hungered for holiness really is only a subset of the first point. What is the first point? It's the grace of God. Verse 9 takes priority even though it comes after verse 8. God gave. Please listen to me. God gave, verse 9. God gave Daniel favor and compassion. God knows those who are his. God will not allow those who are his to ultimately walk away from him. He looks over them. And so the chief of the eunuchs, verse 10, said, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. Verse 11, Daniel said to the steward, what about you? Would you be open to this? Test your servants for 10 days, verse 12. Let us be given vegetables to eat. Let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food. I, when I read this, I think back to that chief eunuch who said, Daniel, I wish I could help you. I can't. I'm worried that the king would kill me if he saw you looking weak and he found out that I wasn't giving you your appropriate portion. I wonder if, in fact, he did become a bit in jeopardy because it was actually the other guys that we read about. It was all of the rest of them who ended up looking weak. In, do you see, in comparison with Daniel and his friends, we also don't know, maybe this steward, you know, the third man down, Nebuchadnezzar, chief eunuch steward, maybe he agreed to this. We don't know, but perhaps he agreed because he would get the steak and the wine. And so perhaps he said, yeah, I'll, give, I'll do this test for you 10 days. Here's your vegetables. I'll take your meat and your drink. At the end of 10 days, verse 15, look at it with me. It was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. James told me one time that he heard that Spurgeon used to think that uh, a man was actually unfit for ministry if he was less than 200 pounds. <laughs> Going with the, uh, the wisdom of that age, you wanted to be healthy. And so Spurgeon thought you needed to be a, a robust man. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get bigger before your eyes. But, but it's, look at the language. They were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. I've, I've seen this before in my own life. Uh, I won't go into it, but a guy who, who uh, went the vegan route, and then this guy's kind of bowed up. You know, that's like what's going on here. These guys were a little bit bowed up. They looked like they had vigor, and the rest looked a little bit puny compared, compared to them. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Let me be clear. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about our resolving to be holy. You cannot resolve enough to do what is right before God. He is a holy God. He is a consuming fire. By the way, this whole chapter exists because the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior, and especially in the Bible and the Old Testament, we see that the Lord is a warrior against his people. When, when we as his people, particularly when Israel, when his Old Testament people sinned in wicked, listen, in evil ways, the Lord is a warrior against his people. God is faithful. God is faithful to his word. Daniel chapter 1 is about God. He's faithful and his faithfulness here seems to us negative because his faithfulness means that his people are taken out of their country, out of their homeland. And this includes even, I'll say it again, even young men, even young men. 
Hey, Chief Eunuch, I want you to go over there for me. I want you to get some of the best and the brightest. Take some of the young men from the family of the nobles, from the wealthy. Make sure that there's no physical defect in them. Make sure that you can somehow gauge that they're bright. Bring them to me. I want to spend three years under your and other people's tutelage so that they will be re-educated. Remember, like perhaps modern universities, indoctrinated. And they're going to serve me. And they're going to leave everything behind. And Daniel said, by the grace of God and only by the grace of God. No, we're not leaving everything behind. God is with us here. God would have us to be a blessing where he puts us. And he will help us by his grace to that end. What is is this whole thing about? What is this whole? It's about Daniel's faithfulness which is rooted in the grace of God. Here's how this whole chapter has been summarized. It's been summarized like this. In spite of present appearances, God is in control. It's very straightforward. In spite of present appearances, God is in control. It says in verse 9, God gave. It says in verse 17, God gave. It says in verse 2, this whole thing, this whole book of Daniel is because the Lord gave his king into the other king's hand. It says, of course, in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God gave. God gave. God gave. What about Daniel chapter 1 and the Lord Jesus Christ? What about the Lord Jesus Christ? As the sovereign Lord allowed Daniel to be taken from the promised land and into exile in sinful Babylon, so God the Father sent his only son from heaven into this sinful world. As Daniel was a true Israelite, this is from Sidney Gradanus, As Daniel was a true Israelite, so Jesus was a true Israelite, the very Son of God. Daniel in Babylon was obedient to God with respect to food and drink. Jesus was obedient to God in all things. God gave Daniel wisdom and skill. God gave Jesus wisdom and skill. Luke 2, 47. In other words, what he's saying there, and we could go on with more points of comparison, is that the Lord Jesus Christ is a greater Daniel. The message of this series must not be like Daniel is a hero with a capital H. Let's try harder to be like Daniel. That would send us all to ruin in one sense. The message of this series is that the Lord Jesus Christ is a true and greater Daniel in whom we put our trust, that the book of Daniel is about God and the book is about Daniel's God. This past Wednesday night, we were talking a little bit about the prosperity gospel teachers and we were talking a little bit about deism as we were thinking about different strands of false teaching. And we were looking at false teachers from 2 Peter 2, and we noticed one thing there in 2 Peter 2, 9, and it's this. It's a most beautiful and a most comforting statement 
there in 2 Peter 2.9, in the context of false teachers, Peter says this, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Friends, that's what this is about. That's what this is about this morning. You could say that 2 Peter 2.9 is, is, is kind of it. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. This is Daniel chapter 1. And before we close, I would invite you, you can leave Daniel and just turn with me to 2 Kings 24. 2 Kings 24. And I want to show you one more thing before we close. Daniel is an example to us, but he is not a hero with a capital H. If we dare to be a Daniel, as the old hymn says, then we might very well fail. We might very well need someone greater than Daniel. 2 Kings 24. Let me actually close with background instead of giving you that at the beginning. This is the background of Daniel chapter 1, 2 Kings 24, verse 1. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. Who rebelled against who? Well, Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, said, I don't like this. He rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Moabites and bands of the Ammonites, and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by his servants, the prophets. Surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also for the innocent blood that he had shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not pardon Look at that last phrase, the Lord would not pardon. Friends, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. This passage right here, you could go back to the very end of chapter 23. Make sure, let's make sure we don't neglect the books of Kings and Chronicles. They give us these super cool summaries like they do at the very end of chapter 23. Jehoiakim was 25 years old, verse 36, and and verse 37, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord said to his people, I'm coming against you. I'm going to allow wicked King Nebuchadnezzar to take you. Daniel is in Babylon because of the sovereignty of God. That's why he's there. That's why we are where we are. Let us live faithfully and let us learn from 2 Kings 24 that God is over everything. No, not ever the author of evil and also over all things in the world. Example number one, the most evil thing in the world that ever happened was that Jesus Christ was crushed on the cross for our sins. The greatest evil in the world, the greatest evil in the world was predetermined and planned by God the Father for us and for our salvation and for his glory. And here he sends Daniel to be a blessing. And Daniel points us forward to that same Lord Jesus Christ who experienced way worse treatment than Daniel. And he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Let's pray together. 
Lord God, raise our eyes. Raise the eyes of our hearts and our minds toward you. Help us to learn from Daniel and from his friends. Lord, but help us to see that even if you are not mentioned over and over and over again in the book of Daniel, it is you who are working all things together for good, for those who love you, for those who are called according to his purpose. Help us to cling even to that promise that for those who are foreknown, who are called, who love you, you work all for good. How could it be otherwise because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And we pray in his name. Amen.